So, uh, as a joke to put at the front of the podcast, we should joke about how we're going to spoil Star Wars and then say obviously fake spoilers to be funny. What the fuck's going on down there? Hey everyone, welcome to WTF at TFW. It's uh, Sunday night, uh, December the 20th. We are a half week away from Christmas, and I'm joined by Seth Buzzard, and we both saw Star Wars. Yeah, we're a half week from Christmas, and about a year away from the next Star Wars movie. So that's going to be nuts. That's, I mean, not nuts. After the second one, whatever it is, comes out, we'll probably all be acclimatized. But someone laid it out that, like, hey, for the next, like, ten years, it's probably going to be a Star Wars movie every year. It's yeah, like, all right, it's, <laughs> that's going to be new. I'm hoping that they don't burn all the goodwill. Well, like, I'm I'm more worried about like the the one-off standalone movies like Rogue One and Young Han Solo and Boba Fett and whatever else they're planning on doing. I I think the best attitude to take, and it, this is the one I'm taking, is. If they're going to do, like, a movie a year borderline, some of them will probably be really cool, and some of them will probably be terrible, and then there's going to be a whole bunch in between. So, at least you don't have to wait a long time if one ends up really sucking. Then you get to roll the dice again real soon. I don't know if that's actually a very positive outlook for some folks. For me, it feels real positive. But I'm a bit more of a quantity over quality person. Um... Also, we're not going to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens itself. Uh, There are plenty of venues to do that. Like, you know, in line to see it the second time. uh, When you're just leaving the theater. Those are all places where you shouldn't do it. I was real particular. I I went to see it with my mom, who's visiting right now. uh, And we we got the fancy VIP seats. And after it was over, uh, I was like, you know, we should probably avoid talking about the movie till we get home. Just to be polite. Because when we were on the subway train, there were a bunch of, like, old super Canadian dudes. Not the A-Canadian, more like the the Husky Ontario Canadian. There's a difference. And uh, they were doing jokey spoiler things because one of them hadn't seen the film, but the other three had. And they were super loud on the subway going, like, oh, you want us to spoil it for you? Huh? You want us to spoil it? You want to know about, about, like, Chewbacca or something? And I was sitting there, and I was like, yo, have some class, please. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Yo, they reveal that Chewbacca is three Ewoks stacked on top of each other. Yep, they sure did. Um, Thanks. <laughs> well, when when ep- when episode one came out, um, I went with my mom to see that, and we went to the first show on a Sunday morning, and that turned out to be really great because we didn't have to wait in any line. We just walked straight in, and the theater was pretty full, but it wasn't completely sold out. And then when we came out, there were people lined up for. an upcoming screening and they were in a line going down the side of the building and it was raining so we didn't have to stand in the rain and so Sunday morning has been like my go-to for like any big time super popular money movie yeah like I usually wait till Sunday morning and then so that's what we did today we saw it Sunday morning we walked straight in uh, the theater was mostly full, but not sold out. And then when we came out, there was a line of people outside the building, standing behind a rope with a sign saying "1:30 show," and it was just barely one o'clock. 
Um, So they were going to be staying there for at least another half hour on top of however long they'd already been standing out there. And it was raining. Yeah. I, you know what? Standing in line for movies, it often ends up making me enjoy the film less. Because then by the time I sit down, I'm kind of achy and I'm like, well, I've been here forever and I haven't even seen anything yet. And I'm tired. And like, I want to be hyped when I get there to, to, to watch a movie, especially an experienced movie. You know? well, especially if it's raining. Who uh, wants to do that? Uh, people who like being wet. I'm sure there are someone out there who really digs well, it. Well, everyone was under umbrellas except for one dude. dude. And it was like really cold. <laughs> do you look real? It was like this, there was like this <laughs> one like kind of husky dude, like not super overweight, but like a big dude, uh, tall, like longish hair, like not quite to his shoulder, but pretty long in a t-shirt just standing there in the rain. Did, did, did he look bummed or did he look super jazzed? He looked bummed. And, looked, and, and wait, everyone around him had umbrellas out? Everybody else was cuddled up under umbrellas wearing jackets. I mean, at that point, it's kind of like, hey, if we all have umbrellas, you know. Well, all the umbrellas had multiple people under them, too. I guess. Man, that poor guy. I want to get him an umbrella now. Well, he should have worn a jacket. <laughs> yes. He knew what but... the weather was. <laughs> He should have listened to his mom when he was heading out the door, and she said, "Take a jacket." I don't need to. I'm a Jedi. Star Wars. <laughs> if I wear a jacket in the theater, I'm gonna get hot. Man, I, I had no idea you were so well acquainted with the gentleman. That's just what he looked like. Uh, he looked like one of those dummies. Well, speaking of dumb things, our first topic. Oh, we got a 3A teaser for 2016 because you see in about a month, uh, 3A is going to want to sell their 3A associate memberships. So usually they try to tell you like, hey, we're going to have this coming next year when you can get the 3A thing and get a percentage off. Um, But this is this is one of those teasers where it's like, yo, like you, you have literally nothing to show. They they put up an Autobot logo with the word generation one under it. And then like 2016. So three A is good. Three, three zero is going to do probably an Optimus prime uh, or Bumblebee next year in a generation one slash three a style, um, which means they would be directly competing with hot toys, his own Optimus prime uh, in the realm of really expensive Optimus primes. If they do an Optimus prime, uh, I figured we could talk about this a little bit since you and I have we have an acquaintance with the three A flavor. Uh, I'm I'm thinking because also three A has been doing a couple Dark of the Moon movie figures of their robot modes and very expensive high end forms that are big and detailed and etc. Um, so I'm thinking uh, these are going to be very uh, if, if it's actually wood uh, design sort of thing like it's going to be a specific aesthetic i'm guessing it's going to be super like beat up versions of these characters probably with a, a, a somewhat steampunky vibe and maybe really pointy shoes but i'm not too sure well so are the dark of the moon ones are those three a or three zero that's it's those are three a but they're directly like stringent to the movie designs right but uh this one so sometimes it's hard to tell why things are 3A and why things are 3-0. Yes. <laughs> if Ashley Wood was always involved in a 3A product, then it would be easier to assume, oh, it's going to be weird, like Iron Man, where it was an, it was an Ashley Wood-inspired thing. Yeah. But if it could also be straight ahead, like 
the Dark and the Moon stuff and the um, the boxing robot movie, whatever that was Real called. Real Steel. Real Steel. And uh, the, the Valve stuff, aside from adding some weathering, was generally yeah. on target, if I recall right. Yes. So it's... I wish they were more regular with which name they use, 3A or 3-0, because then you'd have more of an educated guess as to what these are going to be. Yeah. I think I would prefer them to go down the uh, the road that they've been on with the Dark of the Moon stuff and just do like a hyper-detailed, um, on-model kind of a thing instead of uh, like Ashley Wood going nuts. I guess in but... which case, in which case, all the Autobots are going to be girls with impossibly long legs and impossibly short skirts. <laughs> maybe, maybe doing Transformers will finally get Ashley Wood out of the fetishistic rut he's been in for the last like three years, or and, or we'll just it'll... drag Transformers into <laughs> the fetishistic rut and he's it, been in for the last three years. And in that case, I don't really want to buy them, but I want to see what he does. If the, like, I want to see the beautiful chaos. If if that's where we're going to go. Uh, because these, you know, I'm expecting these are going to be expensive pieces that are probably out of my range entirely. So I'm thinking, I want to see these be like ridiculously overstyled, like the Zaku or something, and whatever. It's not like we have a shortage of Transformer character toys to pick up. Uh, let let this fellow go nuts as he sometimes does. Um, but yeah, it's a good question because I was gonna say usually it's only with film licenses that they save they stay very strict and on model with things because like the Marvel DC stuff is entirely like Ashley Woodified, but then the Valve stuff wasn't. But then Valve, I don't know if they're very particular with their license about staying on model as opposed to you know other places. And Valve have got the pull to kind of make you do what they want. Like apparently they've been sitting on the last two NECA Team Fortress toys for like a year and a half because they just haven't approved them yet. Um, well, do they have the pull or are they just that particular? Because you'd think uh, Marvel being owned by Disney has a way more pull than Valve does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. And uh, I have no idea what the Transformers license would necessitate. Like, I... I I suspect that you're probably more on target because I can't imagine Hasbro would, with its shareholder influence, be as into like, no, let the weird fetish guy just go nuts with our property. As well, that, well, Disney let him go nuts with Star Wars. Oh, Those crazy stormtrooper. You're girls. right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no logic. I don't know. We'll see. What <laughs> <laughs> Man, I loved showing pictures of that Darth Vader Tomorrow Queen to Crisis. That was fun. Um. <laughs> You should, did you show it to Jack Sock and ask him which version of Darth Vader it was? <laughs> is this episode uh, four, five, or six Darth Vader? How accurate is this helmet? Measure the helmet. <laughs> Measure the proportions of the helmet and tell me. Man, if... Okay, slight tangent. Uh, but not entirely. I feel, Especially after coming off of this last film and kind of feeling like I want to pick up some toys and reading, you know, very, very hardcore fans talk about Star Wars toys. Uh, to this day, I think Star Wars is pretty neat, but like I've never been able to engage with it on the level some other folks do. And it's really weird to me because I'm a real easy person to win over with your media and get me like hyper engaged. But with Star Wars, I've always been kind of like a super casual who just really likes stormtroopers and Darth Vader and dudes with laser swords. And even now, like 
there's a there's a four inch first order stormtrooper, and I'm like, I love stormtroopers, and the first order ones look cool. And then it's like, oh, he's missing the paint app that unites his visor together, so he has two separate eyes, and it's a travesty. And I'm like, I guess, but he, I still think he looks fine. Uh, is weird. Are you much? Are you, how how hardcore do you get into your Star Wars? Um, I like the uh, the the six inch black label figures. Like if I'm buying Star Wars stuff now, it's that. Um, with all the frustrations that come along with not being able to find anything except for whatever happens to be the current peg warmer, yeah, which is apparently Finn. And hopefully, uh, people go to the movie. And decide, hey, Finn's awesome, and then start buying up all those Finn figures so they could restock other stuff. <laughs> and man, it was such a bummer, like finding evidence of the second wave, but not being able to find the the Captain Phasma figure. I think I mentioned this before, but over Black Friday weekend, I went to a Target and found everyone but Phasma from the second wave. Yeah, and, thank you. And pre did. pre seeing the movie, I was like, I I actually don't want any of these other. <laughs> uh, I, so I've I've gotten a few of the uh, the Force Awakens figures, but I'm not going completionist. I mean, either e- even having seen the film, and I don't I didn't dislike any major part of it to like be hateful to it, but like I'm still just kind of sticking with my plan. If I want first order stormtrooper variants, and like that's about it. Yeah, well, I got the uh, the robot Deadpool looking guy. Yeah, and that figure's pretty cool. Oh yeah, like it's a cool design. I, I, there was a period where I was just like, especially because when they are cool, they were super cool that like when uh, they were doing the, the legacy collection or whatever, like the four inch really good Star Wars figures. Uh, some of them I bought just because as action figure toys, they were super well done. But like, that's one of those lines I've had to draw of like, if I really don't care about who it is, even if it's a really good toy, like that's, it's not enough of a reason for me anymore for Star Wars toys because th- like the four inch uh, Poe Dameron, that's like the four inch Black Series stuff that's all exclusive to Walmart. Apparently, the Poe Dameron is like one of the best four inch figures for Star Wars Hasbro's ever made. But I'm like, it's it's a dude in a jacket. Like I I don't want to spend all the money on a dude in a jacket. Uh, there's another joke that I made about the movie that I can't tell you now for fear of spoiler, but yeah, Poe's jacket, <laughs> dude in a jacket. <laughs> Anyway, um, that's our that's our opening bit, our opening news bit. Three um, also Star Wars, yeah, <laughs> and it became Star Wars. That's probably going to happen at least one more time while we're doing this podcast. I expect, but uh, let's let's go into our new picture picks. Uh, Seth, you you said you've you've got everything all ready to go. Yeah, I'm going to tie two separate things together, different items from different companies that also seem to overlap. Mm-hmm. But I seem to overlap. In a way, they completely overlap. So, Toy Soul 2015. Yes. We see the Kids Logic Transformers display. We do. Which includes a Devastator. And then TFC has their primary school Hercules color image, which is a very similar aesthetic Devastator. Mm-hmm. And they all have light-up parts. Um. But it looks like with the the TFC, it actually combines still. Just it doesn't look like the vehicles transform. Yeah. They yeah. just turn into the limbs. Where I'm assuming the 
Kids Logic Devastator is just a solid piece, and then they have these separate. And there's definitely no way these individual uh, um, Constructicons have anything to do with the the Devastator figure. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're separate toys. Kid, yeah. Kids Logic has an actual license, which means, right, um, unless something's changed, they can't make transforming figures. That's that's kind of oh, okay. That's part of the license. Yeah, as, as I understand it, anyone who gets the official license to af- make official third party stuff, um, part of the agreement is it can't transform because or it can't transform outside of like a gimmick like Sentinels turning into a pen um, because of shareholder influence and the image of the company supposed to be being the people who are best at making transformers that transform. Um, this is all kind of years old stuff now, so maybe stuff yeah. is shifting, but. It's also corroborated with generally every licensed third party thing that I've seen. Yeah. And when you look at these kid logic constructicons, they're, I mean, obviously they're not transforming and combining oh, yeah. the Devastator. I, I think, but, uh, I think the kids logic constructicons are, are, yeah, they're the three inch ones. So they aren't even very poseable. Uh-huh. Um, cause kids logic do smaller, like figurine figures that sometimes still have lights. And then they do these bigger poseable figures that also have lights. Um, I've heard they're really cool, like the big posable ones. Um, mm. I still haven't handled one. I almost bought a Megatron once, but uh, didn't have the cash. Um, yeah, some of these look really cool. Um, oh, yeah. So that Shockwave is the smaller kind, though, it looks like. Yeah, especially if he's in that lineup with a bunch of figures. They tend to yeah. sell the smaller ones in packs, um, but they still have lights in their heads, which looks really right. neat. And then some of these, like, so the Seekers that they show, Skywarp and Thundercracker... Or not Skywarp, uh, Starscream and Thundercracker. Oh, Sk- Skywarp's right above them. I just, oh, yeah, I just scrolled is. past them. Okay, so all three Seekers, they, they're they all light-up dies. Um, Devastator has a bunch of lights, but then there's a wire coming out of them. And then this damaged Bumblebee has like a gang of wires coming out of them. Um, do we know if it's just like for the sake of the display, they had to wire some of them up? I expect that's the case because all of their released toys that have lights, it's all been self-contained. Yeah. Um, for the guns, because they have handheld guns, I maybe the guns need the wires because they're smaller than like the giant size heads. But that also, it, like, it might just be for the display too. Yeah, and it's hard to see where the wire is going um, uh, on the Devastator. Like, maybe it plugs into itself. Yeah, it could be. But that damaged Bumblebee, all the wires are going down through a hole in the floor. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I think at least on the Bumblebee, that's just to keep the lights on for the whole show. Yeah. Um, I'm, that's what that's what I was guessing. But then, like, the not damaged Bumblebee doesn't seem to have wires. So. I, it might be more finished. Maybe Like, mm-hmm. I'm just coming up with a reason, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I my assumption was that those are only wired for the sake of the show. But Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know. Either way, some of these look pretty rad. I really wish I could collect at least their larger posable figures because uh, they have an Optimus and a Megatron out right now, and like they, for every review I've seen of them, they look awesome. Um, they're just a little bit out of my. Whenever I would have the cash to get them, there's something I'm more interested in. So they're one of those toys that are just always there on my periphery. Yeah, and I don't know how they're gonna rate next to each other, but I, I kind of like the TFC Devastator better. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take it. And not look at just them. the fact that you could break it down into the vehicles. I just kind of like the aesthetic of Devastator from THC more than the uh, Kids Logic one. 
Uh, yeah, and, and they've done uh, they've done other primary school figures. Uh, they did an Optimus, and I think they did a Black Optimus with a wing pack. And again, like those those reviewed real well, um, as I understand it. So and and also yeah, the face sculpts like it's a little more cartoony. Uh-huh. Um, and, it, and yeah, there's it's a different kind of downsized aesthetic. Um, and you know, obviously, like the the kids' logic thing is they have lots of chrome paint and loads of lights. Um, so if you dig it, you know, look into those. I completely forgot about Hercules. I I didn't know if he was still happening. No, looks like it. Yeah. There's a front page story about it. Oh, it's on it's on this TFW site. I don't know if I can trust that. I mean, I mean, do we do we got proof or something? Uh, photo photo evidence. I I I I got the link all set already. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe you just hadn't seen it. I don't know, man. I'm yeah I'm doubting Thomas. That's my name. <laughs> um, are you? So are you thinking? Uh, thinking of of maybe in in the future considering one of these guys for actual purchase. I mean, I'd have to see what kind of price the uh, the TFC thing is. Yeah, and then with the. Uh, the kids logic stuff again like kind of see where they land on price and how much of a hassle would be to get what i want like of course i'm tempted to get the shockwave regardless of what size it is but if i gotta buy it in a pack with like a bunch of other dudes that i don't care so much about um then that's gonna make it less desirable yeah so we'll see i mean they all have really interesting stuff going on there's stuff that it, i like about all of them so, I mean, I'm just going to have to see how it goes. I was also, There's a lot of lights on those bigger ones, especially Devastator's got a lot of lights. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, the last price I saw for, like, their larger Megatron, he's, you know, he's like 90 to 150, depending on where I'm looking. Uh-huh. Um, so they're, they're pricey figures, and I believe they have die-cast construction in them and, you know, a decent joint system. So they're, they're high-end in that sense. Um, I was also stalling a bit to go and find my new picture pick, I will fully okay. admit. <laughs> uh, but I found it, so I, I'm gonna send you okay. a link to it now. Right. But uh, mine's about a comic book. Oh, I didn't put HTTP here. I'll, I'll fix that. Uh, mine's a comic book that this is kind of like you know this is gonna be chapter three in this ongoing story of us talking about Grand Galvatron every week. Um, so we, you know, we talked about uh, me and Seth at our our sealed envelope podcast about this that we released after the toy had been fully revealed, less than twelve <laughs> hours after we talked about it. Um, and then we talked talked about last week. Now we've got the they, they put up a whole comic book with art by Sakamoto, uh, and the comic book is totally awesome because it's like it's it starts off with the you know a shot from that episode of Headmasters when Galvatron gets buried under the ice and Cyclonus shows up and he's all sad and Galvatron's like oh, I'm gonna possess you and then his just like on the toy his his head just pops out of Cyclonus's stomach and starts yelling stuff. Uh, and then they go and hook up with Unicron, and Unicron's like, yo, I'll summon some ghosts for you. And one of the ghosts is Starscream, and they're all like, well, this ain't good, but whatever, let's, let's use them. Uh, I think this looks really cool. Um, I'm really hyped for this set. I, I already put in a, a, a cancelable pre-order. Um, and this backstory is pretty much exactly what I wanted. Like, it looks like everyone is a little bit treacherous. It, it, it looks like this is a real... 
Like, this is not a combiner who works in unison whatsoever. But <laughs> and I like how Unicron just friggin' zaps Starscream's ghost and turns him into a combiner limb. Uh, it's turns cool. Him solid but clear. <laughs> yeah, that's that's in his profile. He's now made of some weird, like, Unicronian material that's, like, half real but half ghost. Uh, I, I want I, to imagine that he's also angry that he's just a repaint of an aerial bot. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Why am I an aerial bot? Damn it. I, I don't know what anyone's saying because I haven't found a translation of the comic yet. But yeah, if he's just like, I look exactly like, like, I forgot which one he's a repaint of, but I look like him. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, this is super cool. And I want to just highlight how cool this comic was. Seth. And the last frame of the combined form flying off, he's screaming, I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> His right arm is about to punch himself in the face. Uh, Seth, now that we've had the full reveal, uh, number one, how funny is it that they waited till literally less than half a day after we recorded to drop those in images? And number two, how you feel about them, since we talked about them earlier? <laughs> um, I'm The only one that I'm really interested in is Starscream. Mm. And I'm not going to buy a whole set just because I want the Starscream. Yeah, the the rest of the team just it's just not rustling my jimmies. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean that Starscream has a new head mold, so I will be surprised if we don't see at least a non-ghost Starscream out of it somewhere down the line, like maybe as a, an exclusive somewhere. Yeah. Like they did a they did a seeker head for that mold, and they did a cone head head for uh, for air raid. Uh, so that's I we'll see we'll see them. They'll, they'll show up. And if they don't, I'll eat this microphone. Unless, oh, no. Unless, don't do that. Unless it's I end up healthy. in the position where I have to eat the microphone. Then I'm going to chicken out and not do it. Yeah, because that's not healthy. No. You get sick. Don't eat microphones. Um, also, one of the replies to the thread is kind of funny. Uh, I didn't realize this, but one of, like, one of the legs is Breakdown from Transformers Prime. Um... This would maintain the, the record that any Breakdown toy that is bigger than a legend remains Japanese exclusive. I didn't even notice that. Um, also, it's, I'm reading, the, I'm looking at some of the katakana here. Unicron just straight up calls him, ah, zombie breakdown, right after resurrecting him. Like, that's kind of rude. <laughs> and then he calls Thrust. He's like, ah, curse Armada Thrust. It's like, that's also kind of rude. <laughs> You're giving these guys really awful names. And then the well, third... Unicron's kind of a jerk. But so. then the third guy who shows up, Unicron says, Ah, Wandering Roller. Like, he gives him this nice, mysterious name. Well, he calls the other one a curse and a zombie. Like, that's... That's unpleasant. Well, again, Unicron's kind of a jerk. He is. He's majorly a jerk. Um, also, the whole IDW roller connection, like, with with the, the multiple times guest more than meets the eye artist Sakamoto doing this comic... Feels like, yeah, okay, that's like triple confirmed. That's the homage they're paying. Um, so I thought that was cool. And I don't recall seeing a comic of this length for the other Unite Warriors sets. So I feel like the it feels like whoever came up with this idea was just as passionate about it as I feel I am, even though I don't well, work on it. That or they were like, everyone knows the deal with these other teams. We got to come up with something to explain this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't do one for the the Optimus, Mirage, Ironhide, Prowl, etc. team. I just called Sunstreaker, etc. That's rude. 
Uh, <laughs> it's like the original theme song for Gilligan's Island, where they're <laughs> naming all the characters, and then then when they get to the professor and Marianne, they're it's just and the rest. It's like there's only two more. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this this thing's due out in the spring. Uh, if I can afford it when it comes out, I'm gonna go right into this thing head first because I'm super super psyched. Um, and that's that's our new picture pick section, I guess. I'm not gonna throw down two myself because I'm I'm tunnel visioned on this comic, and the only other thing I can think of is that there was like vinyl soap bottle transformer things at Toy Soul, and that, that's about it. Uh, Seth, we got two listener questions from Switchblade. Would you like to answer them? Sure, let's, well, I mean, we try. He called you Buzzbeak in this. Well, I used to be. Yeah. I used to go by that. Before it all changed. Name. Yeah, before I was like, I don't want, I want my name. <laughs> I was jealous of Aaron, because he was just Aaron. He was the only one on the podcast that had a real name. Yeah. And I was jealous. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with envy as long as it does not destroy those around you. I learned that in a TV show, probably. Probably. Um, Question number one. This one is for the third-party collectors amongst you. Are there any third-party figures that you own that you think of as their own unique characters and not as their official counterparts? And if so, do you have any headcanon associated with them? For example, uh, he has, like, the DX9 uh, Legend-scale Warren Pocket guys, and to him, they're just tiny Galvatron and tiny Ironhide. Uh, But he's got the Mastermind Creations Feral Rex guys, and they have such characterful sculpts, he doesn't consider them to just be the Predacons. He thinks of them as Bovis and Leo Ducks, not as Tantrum or Razorclaw. And he's he's even given some thought to what he imagines their personalities and backstories are like. So are there any unofficial toys that have stood up in, apart enough from official characters like that for you guys? I can talk a bunch about it, but I'll wait. Seth, has this ever happened to you with an unofficial toy? No, no. I mean, now that I've kind of been put in a position to think about it, I guess those not stunticons i got their styling is so much more anime if i wanted to i could probably think of them as other characters but no when i tend to get unofficial figures it's because they look so much like what i want mm-hmm. that uh i i can't think of ever being in a position where i was like no actually this is uh steve Steve Roller is what I'm going to call him. That'd be and a cool name. <laughs> I'm Steven Roller. Yeah. <laughs> Hang out with Sky Gary. <laughs> oh, man, Sky Gary. I haven't thought about Sky Gary in like two weeks. I always think, oh, because that's the last time you recorded with me. Yeah. Because I always think about Sky Gary. I know. Uh, what if they did like a third party Sky Gary and they just leaned into the Gary part? Just call him just straight Gary. <laughs> Or just Gary. Just, that's his name. That's his just name. Gary. On the package. <laughs> JG. Just Gary. Um I do I do that a lot. Like a lot of things. Comes with a six pack of beer. Oh man. That sounds like something just Gary does. Just Gary shows up and six packs all for him. Yep. Just Gary don't share. This is to get him through the day. Uh I, I there's a, a large number of third party toys that I consider to be their own characters in my head to the point where if you watch videos I put up I often make up personalities for them and act them out in video intros because I feel that strongly about their individual personalities uh, Feral Rex being one of them uh, also Explorer uh, from Fans Project I, I think of as a very storied character in my head uh, 
There's a, there's a bunch like masterpiece alikes often end up in my head like and then when I see them they just feel more like you know those characters but then other stuff more stylized stuff uh, especially stuff where I really dig the style like a lot of make toys uh, combiners I certainly don't think of those as you know their transformers alike first like I've said many times with Quantron uh, and with the upcoming you know their Defensor Guardia. Those toys could have been released in completely different colors, and I'd still think they're as cool as they look to me right now. Um, they, especially Guardia, like that is just a, a a combiner team that shares alt modes and alt mode colors with the Defensor guys. That's it. Like half the robot modes are super unique, and I love it. Like that's that to me is the draw of those figures because um, they're not filling in a slot. They are they are this designer's take on that concept. Um, so yeah, I, there's there's tons of unofficial toys that I don't consider to be analogs to official characters on in my own displays or collection. Uh, so don't feel crazy because I borderline would say that's a better way to treat a lot of them in the long run because then you don't run into the thing that I think we talked about a week or two ago about like oh now I need to I gotta replace the mirage I have with this new one you know like yeah. um, if you like a toy on for its own merits. More so uh, than, you know, the, the character at homages, I think it ends up being a stronger experience for the most part. With, of course, many exceptions. Um, and uh, that takes us to question number two. Which is about the 15th anniversary of Robots in Disguise, which is next year. Uh, in a recent interview, Hasbro mentioned in passing that they were aware of that milestone. Uh, Switchblade says, I know R.I.D. is one of the more obscure TF lines at this point. It's, it's super ain't. But there are a lot of people like me who look back on it fondly. Uh, what, if anything, would you like to see done to celebrate this milestone? Are there any characters that deserve new toys? Any homage repaints you'd like to see? Uh, there are some pretty obvious ones that could be done with current Combiner Wars Titans Return molds. Do any of the old toys deserve a reissue or any new media you'd like to see? Uh, thanks for taking my questions. I say that R.I.D. is not all that obscure because... Like, it certainly isn't in the forefront, but, like, the people from that jumping on point that was the year 2000-2001, like, they don't shut up about R.I.D. Like, that was the return of Transformers for people who were super not into the Beast era. So, it's not the largest contingent of our fandom at all, but it is a loud one. Um, I think there are plenty of Combiner Wars toys that would make for a friggin' cool, like, Super Fire Convoy Combiner Wars retooling. Um... I don't think new media is necessary, but I think Fire Convoy, or that Optimus Prime from R.I.D., like, that is still a pretty cool toy. It would be neat to see that on the shelf again. Uh, Seth, what about you? How do you feel about uh, what do you want to see from the 15th anniversary of R.I.D.? Well, I was trying to remember that one figure's name that came out really late in the run and was just tacked on by Hasbro and didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, Bruticus? No. Um, it was like Cerebus or something? No, they they called him Bruticus, but yeah, it was like a three-headed dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They called him Bruticus? I thought yeah. it had a C name. He was going to be Cerebus in Beast Machines, I believe. Oh. Because uh, he was a Beast Machines toy. That they yeah, to bring that guy back. That's I, a dumb answer. I would love um, <laughs> this. That was a, that was a freaking cool toy. I'd love to see a new version of that. Yeah, like they Hasbro loaded up a bunch of weird stuff to kind of pad that line out. Oh man, like the the G one Jetfire colored like Jetstorm, the Beast Machines yeah. one. That was weird. Yeah, it was. I I mean, 
historically that line is important because it did it was the the bridge between putting an end to beasts because you still had like the the predacons in there and then reintroducing the vehicles with the autobots and it was uh um, it was the first thing in a long time to have the decepticon symbol because uh, that wasn't even in the japanese version yeah um Oh, yeah, because in the Japanese version, they had, like, the upside-down G2 Autobot logo. Yeah, yeah, they were, like, the Combatrons or something. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remember when I was, uh, when that line came out over here, I got so jazzed about there being this small cadre of toys with the Decepticon symbol. Uh, like, there was a laser cycle they redid as well, and I got so hyped. Weren't those, uh... Wasn't that a two-pack Walmart exclusive? Yep. Uh, I think it was a one Decepticon, one Autobot. And, yeah, I have uh, those somewhere. That, I haven't seen them in a long time. <laughs> that was before Walmart exclusives came to Canada, so I, I went through hell getting that when that came out. I got lucky. I just found it at Walmart. Damn it. And then the worst part of it was having to go into Walmart. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, those places suck. Um, but, Yeah. And then I had it, I was going to say something derogatory about the line, but then I realized I was confusing Armada <laughs> with it. Um, no, like, but those, like, originally coming out of Japan, Autobot figures, like X-Brawn and them, um, they were really cool and complicated, but there was a lot of rad stuff in that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so, I really liked yeah, a lot of the American uh, exclusive stuff. Like uh, like the weird repaints that all kind of worked, or like that Beast Machines Basics three pack where everyone got super detailed paint apps. I can't remember what any yeah. of them were called now. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember either. That was a long time ago. How many years ago did the this uh, was? N- nearly fifteen, according to this God, listener that's question. Terrible. Yep. You don't do things for fifteenth anniversaries though. That. We gotta wait five more years. Now you just do something half-assed now, anniversary. And, then, and then something amazing in five years. And then you do something incredibly half-assed for the fiftieth anniversary, like GI Joe. Yeah, because you're like, oh, who even remembers? GI <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who? GI yeah, what? Vitruvian hacks? Who? Yeah, what? Where? Marauder Task Force? What? Huh? Uh, huh? Hi. Um, that's about all I got for an answer for that question. I think. Me too. I still remember the day I found Optimus and Magnus from Wave 1 at Toys R Us, and I had already had the Japanese ones, but I was so gobsmacked to see those very toys on a shelf in Canada that I bought them again. <laughs> I was like, okay, I I can get these again, sure. Uh, That was really cool. Like, it was kind of unprecedented to me at the time. Anyway, hope that answered your listener questions. Switchblade. Uh, Seth, do you feel uh, ready to, to roll right into some what we gots? Yeah, why not? All right. We're trucking. I got stuff. Uh, Seth, do you got stuff this week? Maybe on topic even? Well, I got stuff waiting in a pile of loot. I know that um, feeling. I got all the Combaticons in there. Oh, I, I still know. Yeah, those are waiting. And then when we were at Target last night, I saw two of the Combaticons. I saw Blastoff and Vortex. Oh, the interesting one. No, those are the straight repaints. 
Yeah. And my girlfriend was like, I like this helicopter guy. He's crazy colors. Yep. And I went, well, I'm not buying it because it's sitting in a pile of loot. So it's coming. If you bought them, you could have had two vortexes on your Bruticus. I could have. Yep. That's (laughs) correct. And if I bought Blastoff, I could have had two vortexy and two Blastoffs. You could have had a symmetrical Bruticus. Yeah, and then she looked at the blast off and was like, "Yeah, this guy's kind of boring." I'm like, "Yeah, he's supposed to be a space shuttle." And they made him a jet. And she goes, "That would have been cooler." I was like, "I agree." Oh man, we got cutting dialogue going on here. Yep. And that's all. Then we put them down and moved on <laughs> down the aisle. Then we took them and threw them across the store and calmly this left. Garbage. <laughs> Where's your face garbage? Ah. I'm in Target. I'm in a toy aisle. There's no signs that say boys or girls. I don't know where I am. <laughs> Is this a Barbie or what? I don't know. I can't that read. That other aisle, everything was pink, but what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. The headlines you guys get to have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I guess you didn't get anything on topic this week? Nope. All right. I'm going to wait until I can ship that loot. Well, cool. I mean, technically, I could ship it whenever I want, but uh, I want it to get bigger. Oh, man. They, uh, oh, that's off topic. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something that Big Bad has in pre-orders, up for pre-order right now, but it's an off topic thing, so whatever. That's all right. Uh, I, I got two on topic things, then we're going to be off topic anyway. Uh, they're both Mastermind Creations thingies. I got Commodus, which is their retool redeco of the Impactor they put out recently. Uh, this uh-huh. is supposed to be Turmoil, who is a character from IDW that that probably had some potential, but doesn't anymore. Um, the upshot is, it's a really cool mold, and this version of it, if you don't care who Turmoil is, is just a really cool, generic, badass-looking robot that turns into the Metal Slug tank. Uh, and he's got like metallic blue pinstriping um, in the panel lines of his shoulders and chest. It looks really sharp. Uh, it's a good toy. And with the with the Impactor stuff taken away from it, I like Impactor. I feel like this version is a bit stronger because it just stands on its own super well. And uh, it's got just a big cannon that looks a lot more Metal Slug in alt mode than Impactor's cannon. Uh, and if you want, you can have him hold it as a gun or just straight up replace his hand with it. And uh, you can also mount it on his forearm, Megatron style. It's a cool toy. Uh, I, I really like uh, the Metal Slug figure, uh, as I'm calling it, the Mastermind did. All they got to do now is do one that actually is just in the gunmetal and whatever color scheme of the Metal Slug tank. Um, does that, did you did you ever play much Metal Slug? No. Um, oh, man. I, I think I played a little, but I never got that into it. That was uh, that was one of those games when I first got into emulators that I I played the crap out of since I didn't have to put quarters in for it anymore. Well, sometime around the new year, I'm going to be getting a big giant emulator. Oh, right. And maybe I'll make sure I get Metal Slug in there. There's like 15 Metal Slug games, so, you know, just take your pick. Yeah. Uh, have fun. Um, but yeah, Komodo's turned out real well. Uh, for, for those who don't know who Turmoil is, his biggest claim to fame is he used to be Drift's boss back when Drift was a Decepticon. And he's all back mad that... Was cool. He's all he wussed out. He's all mad that Deadlock left and became Drift. And so he's like, I'm gonna get you! And then he never got him. Um, the other Mastermind thing I got is uh, Anarchus. Uh, and this is super duper IDW comic stuff. 
but in a real good way. So Seth, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out for you here. All right, this is gonna be proper. So I'm gonna show you his robot mode. Uh, this is a version of a guy called Kaon, but uh, he's like a torturer for the Decepticon Justice Division in the comic books. The unofficial version, uh, his function is journalist, which I think is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, well, he can get to the bottom of a story. He can. Uh, Seth, this guy's alt mode in the comic, which again, makes this real great that his function unofficially is journalist, is in the comics he turns into a torture device. Um, yes. Basically an electric chair on treads. I saw your Twitter pics. Yeah, it was Sub-Zero not knowing how to go to the dentist, right? Right. Um, so the comic book he comes with is, I think, one of the best ones they've ever done. Because it's it's him as a journalist who's been jailed for digging too deep. Uh, he gets released and then goes, you know, back looking back to the case, looking into his story. And some guy attacks him going like, I've read your records. I know you just turned into a chair. You can't do anything to stop me. And then Anarchist is like, yo, sucka, I have a third mode that never went on record. Um, this toy has a third mode, which is a scorpion. Uh, this came about, I think, possibly just because you could make him look kind of like a legless scorpion. So they added some bits so he could be a straight up scorpion. Um, and it's it's a really surprisingly satisfying scorpion mode. Uh, it, it, the only thing you have to parts form onto it are those six legs on the on the rear end. Um, but Anarchist might be one of my favorite toys this year, but I'm not sure if it's just because of the gumption of being like a kind of slender robot who very effectively turns into a chair that also can turn into a convincing scorpion. So I'm, I'm not quite sure. Also, those little legs, and this is another reason why I like them, the six legs can then connect together to form like a shield or they can just walk around on their own as a little drone and like you can put his gun on top of the drone and then... I sent you a picture of the drone and him being all sassy. Uh, the drone has little eyes painted on. So this drone can just like go like, what? While his master's going like, what? Um, it's a really fun package of toy. Uh, so sassy. It's very solidly built. Uh, I'm seeing if I had any other interesting pictures here. But the main thing I've got is uh, he's got a backpack and that's his backpack is the entire chair. Um, so I've got this picture of the chair kind of unfolded off his back and then I've got a picture of it folded up uh, and it's, it's really amazing how much that chair compresses into his backpack because that was the big question is how do you make a robot turn into a chair? Uh, and, and they figured out a really good way to just accordion most of the chair up. And if he uses rifle to like lock his arms together and be like a, a rear third leg for the chair, uh, it's a super solid chair mode, so I'm I'm really impressed with this this piece. It's uh, it could have been a lot floppier than it is, but it feels like a lot of time was spent to ensure that it comes out solid. Um, it's just a bummer that, especially for Canadians with our dollar crumbling, he's one of those toys that's like an eighty five dollar U S dollar toy, and that used to be still about you know just under a hundred bucks Canadian. Now that's well over a hundred bucks Canadian, and that really I find going from two digits to three digits no matter how many actual dollars that is, changes the conversation of of uh, perceived value, at least for mm -hmm. me and for a lot of other people. And it's it's this toy is one of those reminders that, like, Canada is turning into what a lot of other countries are, but very rapidly turning into one of those places where everything is more expensive for a toy collector. 
Uh, and it all happened in the space of like six months. That's why I talk about it so much because it's to me was very shocking uh, to experience because usually it's like a kind of gradual slide, not a plummet off a cliff. Um, so now we're down there with, you know, the, the, the Australians and, and the British where our, all their toys are more expensive. Uh, so my apologies to all of those folks for how much I'm whining about it. <laughs> um, anyway, that's I believe that's all my on topic. I was hoping to dig up some Combaticons this weekend because we have a sale over here and talking about our dollar. Combiner Wars limbs on sale. Uh, it was they, they came out to like about 14 Canadian each with the sale. And now that our dollar has plummeted, but our retail prices have not quite plummeted, like that's a really good deal for those limbs if you do the conversion. Um, our, our toy retail prices, our video game prices have already plummeted. It's eighty dollars for a new game now, and that's a shame. Um, I think the video game industry is getting to a point where either they're going to have to raise prices on AAA games, or we're going to see more and more cases of. You're gonna have to buy this, this, um, some pack. I I blanked on the word that I was actually going for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like where you got to subscribe to like here's all the DLC we're gonna put out. Oh, season pass stuff. Season pass. Yeah. Because they're gonna like start leaving big chunks of game out, so they can sell more separately because just the cost of making games is going to be too much yeah like in in the bigger picture i'm it's gonna be weird like because there's still kind of as i understand it there's still quite a divide between it's either triple a or it's very low budget and like the middle like i remember hearing that on a giant bomb podcast some years ago like that the middle area has kind of been disappearing yeah um is it still the case it does seem that way, and I think part of their point was like those sort of mid-tier games that were still as expensive as Fallout and Call of Duty and everything else um, just weren't good enough anymore, mm-hmm. and people just weren't buying them, I think was the, the case they were making, if I remember correct. Uh, so studios don't want to bother with that tier of a game even though there can still be good games coming out of that level yeah yeah it's it's a i don't i i don't feel anything but empathy for people who actually work in the making of games because it sounds like it's just the most unsecure and unpleasant environment for a passionate creator of stuff to operate in like there's just there you don't know what's going to happen yeah, it almost sounds like you're lucky if you could be working at the same place for more than two games. Yeah. Before either they get shut down or bought out or go belly up or you're fired or something. Yeah, it's just to me that says that like anyone still working in the in in games probably has a lot of passion for it to let them deal with all of the really unpleasant parts of it. Yeah. So, you know. High fives if anyone who makes games is listening to this podcast. I have no idea, actually, if anyone who makes games is listening to this podcast. But that's our on-topic section. Now we're going to talk about off-topic things we got this week. Seth, did you do anything off-topic this week? I did. What did and, you do? <clears throat> well, that thing that I was starting to say, is they have a 
for pre-order on Big Bad is there's more birds, the Mythic Legend birds. Oh, yeah, there's a whole wave of those popped and up. They brought back some of the old ones. Yeah. So just in a panic, I, and they're a lot cheaper than when I got my one Vulture guy, which was, like, way after the fact and, like, over double the price. <laughs> um, so just, like, in the, oh, my God, they're back. I just started pre-ordering a mess of them. And then I'll decide later how many of them I actually want to get. Yeah. But I thought I'd just start grabbing them. I might grab the one or two that I wished I grabbed. Uh, I'm thinking about it. But well, I grabbed uh, the the duck minotaur thing. Oh, they redid him? Yeah. Is he still just minotaur? Says Malatard the duck. Hang on, I'm trying to find him now. He's in. He's just a few down from that in that link I sent you. Yeah. Okay. But like I grabbed the the black raven one. He's in and, new colors, so he's not literally okay. Minotaur. I was because I was like, they were real particular about telling us Minotaur would never come out outside the Kickstarter. Okay. Um, well, I I grabbed the pre order on that. The Black Raven and the Rooster and Chicken. Malatard has a way better weapon than Minotaur. I'm real jealous <laughs> now. Oh, you could get Malatard. I I don't need another duck. You need a duck army. I got all the ducks I need right here in my. You need all the ducks. I slowly unzip my flock. What? Extra ducks. I'm getting me a cockatrice. Double duck. Uh yeah, so those are on pre-order. Cool. But things that I actually physically got, so I got the rest of the the Marvel Legends Rhino Wave because I actually found them all at once, mm-hmm. and I had already gotten a couple of them in the past, and then I just went, oh, forget it. I'm just gonna get everything now and have Rhino. And then I was like, I had decided at one point that I wasn't gonna bother getting this whole wave. And so the the rhino parts, I'm not exactly sure where I stashed them away to. And I hope I didn't do something idiotic like throw away the torso. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to hunt those down. Uh, I only opened two of them so far. I opened Scarlet Spider and Craven the Hunter. Um, So the, the impression I get with Craven the Hunter is he's kind of a maligned character. But the I think the figure came out really well. I don't I've heard more people kind of talk smack on Craven the Hunter than talk good on him, and I never understood that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read any comics that had him in it. So Like he's he's like Craven's last hunt I always remember was lauded as being an amazing comic, but that's about it. Yeah, I think the sculpting and the detail in this figure is really good. Like I love his skull knee pads and and uh no, I think it's a good figure. And then the Scarlet Spider is just that really good Spider-Man body that they've been using for a while now. Yeah. So, so that's quality as far as a figure goes. And then it's up to you whether or not you like Scarlet Spider or not. I wish I could sit down and just collect all those Spider-Men. But I especially, hey, coming back to it, plummeting dollar makes $25 Legends a real easy thing to just keep spectating. Well, the... Spider Gwen is coming in an upcoming wave. I know. I'm, 2099 and Spider Gwen are the two that I still might get. But I don't know. 
I don't know. Well, I'm going for that wave that has Spider-Gwen in it, even though like a lot of the other figures, like I'm not that into in the wave, but the the Build-A-Figure Absorbing Man looks really cool. Yeah. And I don't know why I like Absorbing Man so much, well, he's, but I do. Because he's, he's a real, just a simple and effective, just super villain idea. Like he's a dude who absorbs stuff. And, and it looks like they're going to actually do swappable parts for him. Yeah, there's like a couple different heads and I think two arms. I heard some people saying that like they, given how Build-A-Figures are built, those arms would have to be made of a softer material or it's just going to be, all right, you get to build them once and then you get options and that would be terrible. Oh yeah, for how the parts plug together. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a real bummer. Like some people if are you can't swap those arms. Some people are are waiting like people want confirmation that it's actually swappable and not just build options. Hmm. Um I haven't heard anything past that though. Yeah, otherwise you'd have to mod it in some way. Then the other thing, where'd the box go? What did I do with the box? Box! Here it is. So this is a figure from Funko. All right. It's the Fallout Legacy Collection Lone Wanderer action figure. Oh, that dude looked weird when I saw him. Well, I saw him and I saw the other figure, the power armor. Yeah. And next to the power armor, he looked pretty good because the power armor looked terrible. Uh, I know a guy who got the power armor and said it's pretty terrible. Yeah, the the proportions were all out of whack looking on the power armor. Apparently the power armor is one of those toys where it has points of articulation, but that doesn't mean they work. Because his sculpt yeah. just bangs together a whole bunch. There's a little bit of that problem on the Lone Wanderer. Not that bad. Like, his elbows don't bend very far. It's not a great figure. It's such a bummer, man, because, like, Funko... It feels like... I don't think they're they're phoning it in at all, but it feels like no one's telling them to do better. Yeah. And I feel like if they did, the licenses they have could make for some super compelling stuff. Yeah, it's just lacking. It's it's almost there. Yeah. Like the sculpting's all right. The the weathering detail paint is all right. But like the shoulder and hip joints just look like balls. Like big round smooth orb so his shoulders stick out too far and it's just round and smooth near where the joints connect yeah and then the way his hand to hold his rifle is sculpted and how thick the rifle is you can't really get him to hold it well you just you kind of squeeze it into his hand and it sort of stays but it doesn't go in right it, he can't hold his gun hardly at all. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, so it's it's disappointing. And also the gun seems like really small. It doesn't look like a rifle. It looks like he's carrying a pellet gun around. <laughs> I uh, I got I was told that the two Skyrim figures are are pretty decent for what they are, but I haven't I don't I don't feel strongly enough about Skyrim to want to actually yeah. buy a toy. But uh, well, I did. I'm, I'm in the midst of playing Fallout 4, so I was more susceptible. You're right there. Um, it, it, this is probably the case for the Lone Wanderer, but I did get confirmation from a source of mine in Kentucky that uh, they didn't use clear plastic for the ball joints in the in the hips. 
At least as I under, as I, as was reported to me. Uh, no, I just pulled his leg off. That's that was the <laughs> check that was done to report that to me. Like it sounds like Funko at least didn't do clear plastic as well on them, so they're hopefully getting away from that for good. Yeah, if you just want it as a figure to put on a, a display shelf with like other video game characters, it'd probably be all right. Yeah. Um, if you want it as a figure that you could put into cool poses, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Or at least I was. But, uh, yeah, that is all I got. Well, that, that reaction you gave is kind of how I felt about this thing I got this week. And I still like this thing. I guess it's slightly different, slightly, but I got the DC collectibles mask of the phantasm two pack. Oh, your favoriteest character of all time. I That's my favorite Batman movie ever made, is Mask of the Phantasm, and I've always wanted a good Phantasm toy. This is the best Phantasm toy that exists of the two. Uh, I always wanted a good Phantasm toy, and I still do. I still do. <laughs> um, so there's a, so this is a, an okay set. Uh, the sculpts are great. There's just there's two bummers. Number one, the Batman it comes with apparently, and I, I, I borrowed, because I never got the single pack, uh, BTAS Batman. Um, with the blue inside his cape, um, it's the exact same figure as as the single release, but with a I think better looking head sculpt. But he comes with like barely any accessories. He just comes with two hands that can hold his one batarang, so he doesn't come with a grapnel gun at all. Um, that sculpt looks good, but it has no boot cuts, and none of these toys have thigh swivels, so those boot cuts are imperative to not have his feet always pointing straight forward. Uh, he has no boot cuts, and even though there's a boot on him that could have been a boot cut. And he has ankle tilts, which helps, but he always looks kind of awkward in any pose. The Phantasm, until you get to the ankles, is pretty okay, but there's no ankle tilts, yet the Phantasm's ankles are thicker than Batman's. And I find that tragic, because if the Phantasm had ankle tilts, it would be up there as one of the better figures in this line. Uh, as it is, it means the Phantasm, again, always ends up looking kind of awkward because you have to point its feet in various directions to try to get them to stay flat at all. And they both come with display stands, which are the worst display stands I've ever used. It's like the trademark of the DC Collectibles Bruce Tim stuff is terrible display stands. Uh, and then the, the biggest bummer is they tried for something clever on the Phantasm, which works as long as the Phantasm's looking forward. But it sucks because the Phantasm has a ball-jointed neck. But the hood and the whole cape and shroud and the hood, all the light gray stuff, is one flexible piece that's been uh, like glued and slotted onto the figure. So when the Phantasm looks around, its hood does not. And it means that the Phantasm looks really silly when it's looking to its extreme left or right. Because the hood is still just like stock still. And then half the Phantasm's face is covered. And it's a shame. If the Hood itself had been glued to the Phantasm's head and made a separate piece, uh, like the the six-inch Kylo Ren figure, I think that would have been fantastic. And I almost want to try to get a second set of this to try to do the modification myself. Because um, it's a really decent Phantasm, and the, the two-pack is not overpriced for what it is. It's just a real bummer that this is probably the only Phantasm toy we're going to ever get for the foreseeable future that is of any quality. Um, cause it has plenty of room for improvement and the whole DC collectibles thing. Someone needs to get them to put thigh swivels on these toys. Cause it's the biggest problem I have with them is, is 
the the weird lack of general mobility despite points of articulation uh because when they get when it works well it's like magical but they don't all work well and when it doesn't work well it's often in very particular and kind of irritating ways um so i i dig the two pack for what it is but i super wish it was a slightly bit better than what it is um Seth, I forgot. Do you have much? Do you have much uh, connection to the Phantasm? I saw the movie, um, and it was good. I enjoyed it, but I haven't seen it since that one time I saw it. Ah, so I remember when uh, Roger Ebert reviewed it and said he thought it was probably the best Batman movie they've ever done. Yeah, and uh, that that review I just recently watched that review. Uh, that was Gene Siskel. Uh, like a year after the film came out, he got the laser disc and watched on a whim and then was like, we need to talk about this on the show because I can't believe we let this slip by. And like half of the review is him saying or not half of it, but like two or three times during their, their review on their show, Gene Siskel is like, I can't I'm, I'm like he was borderline apologizing that it took them so long to give that film its accolade. I could have sworn they reviewed it around the time it came out. No, the 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 Siskel and Ebert review. They specifically said we didn't cover this in the, when it was in theaters, oh. and uh, and we we regret that. Um, it's cool because it's it's a real well balanced review, and it's their opinions. And Gene Siskel does also while defending the movie as a great piece. Uh, he also drops the criticism that he thought Mark Hamill's Joker voice was uh, too silly, and then he, <laughs> he he wished it was someone else. And so the comments on the YouTube video that was uploaded were hilarious because there's people going like Siskel doesn't know nothing about good joker voices and then some people are like yo you you hear how this guy on television in the early 90s is sticking up for animated features as a legitimate medium in the early 90s do you hear this and people are like well, maybe he did but he didn't doesn't respect a good joker voice and it's also like you know gene siskel's been dead for like a really long time and we'll never see those comments you're making <laughs> well that's what he gets <laughs> uh but gene siskel did bag on uh my neighbor totoro did he yeah, he didn't like it. Ah. And Roger Ebert was like, you're nuts. <laughs> and Gene Siskel was like, it's not that good of a movie. And Roger Ebert's like, well, as a kid's movie, it is a superior children's movie. And he goes, well, and then Siskel's like, well, I'm not a child. I I reviewed it as an adult. And Roger Ebert's like, I know two little girls that would love this movie if you showed it to them. And then Gene Siskel got like really stupid salty looking because he knew <laughs> Roger Ebert was calling out his daughter. <laughs> so they like Ebert like shamed, shamed Siskel and taking his daughters and the next week Siskel was like yeah I took my girls to see my neighbor Totoro and Ebert's like yeah and he's like they liked it and he's like word and Siskel's <laughs> like but I'm still an adult and I still think it's not a good movie. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Cisco uh, also, um, in the review of Time Cop, uh, referred to John Claude Van Damme as one of the best-looking male actors around today. Mm-hmm. And there should be more uh, stuff like him in his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and Roger was like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> and, well, I forget what... Ebert, or no, Ebert was like, when I was watching this movie, I wasn't thinking I want to see more naked John Claude Van Damme. And Siskel's like, that's not what I meant. And Ebert was like, I think we all know what you meant. (laughs) (laughs) 
those two would just light into each other sometimes. That's great. Yeah, I, I watched. Uh, I'm I miss that duo. I miss that tone. Like I feel that tone uh, in a produced, you know, uh, program about any medium. Like there's a specificity to their tone that I feel is really rare uh, to this day. Well, they were, it was legitimate. It, they weren't scripted. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to make a movie review show with these two guys that are snarky at each other. Like, it wasn't forced. Yeah. Like, they would legitimately get into disagreements and get super salty. And there was, like, their relationship was like this weird balance of respect, friendship, and disgust. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they. It was a unique duo, and you know Ebert tried to keep it going when Gene Siskel died because the idea was to have a show where the reviewers spoke like more intelligently about movies and like really discussed the film instead of just giving it like oh, three stars. Um, but it it was never the same without Gene Siskel there. Even though I thought Gene Siskel was kind of a prick yeah. <laughs> sometimes. I, I just never could... I found it hard, and I, and I think this speaks more to me being at fault here, but I could... For some reason, I could never find uh, much respect for Richard Roper, and I don't know why. Like, I could, I could Ro never take Roper, him as seriously. Yeah, he always came off a little waspy, kind of up his own butt. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, something about the way he presented himself, I made me. It made it hard for me to take him nearly as seriously. And yeah, there it, it, was beef between him and uh and Kevin Smith. But it, it always felt like I was watching the Ebert show with this other guy. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know about the beef. That's crazy. Well, yeah, it's probably there, not. There Actually, that's, key... that's, let me say it's not crazy. Kevin Smith has beef with plenty of people. <laughs> yeah, he's not as beefy as he used to be. He doesn't get into fights like he used to. Yeah. Um. But, well, Roper was like really not cool in some of his reviews of of Smith stuff. Um, and you could argue that's justified. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like early Smith stuff, like. Clerks and mall rats and chasing Amy. And then when Ebert was ill and they were doing like rotating guest reviewers, um, Smith was on a couple with Roper and and they played nice, but they acknowledged that there was beef. And then they kind of made nice or they made good. And then something came around a couple years later where <laughs> Roper like relit the fire and and Smith was like I thought we were cool but this guy's still a jerk <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't remember all the details there was just beef with those two yeah but, uh, um, movies yeah well, I, I guess that that's a nice place for us to close out this what we got this week section Oh uh, well, I mean, we both also got we also we both also got we saw Star Wars, right? And uh, uh, you you should try to find when Cisco uh, reviews Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is a movie Roger Ebert wrote. Oh wow! And he didn't Ebert didn't comment during the review because he wrote the movie, and Cisco did not like the movie, and Ebert is just staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> And I saw the movie, 
And Siskel's right. The it's an awful movie. <laughs> it's terrible. It's really bad. It's not immediately coming up on a YouTube search. I don't know if it's kicking around out there. I'll try to find it. That sounds like a great discussion. <laughs> um but yeah, me and Seth uh, did not get spoiled. Um, I'm still playing it on Twitter that I haven't seen the film for a little while because I just want to see what happens. But uh, we both managed to go in without many spoilers, and uh, that was fun. Um, I still I still like seeing stuff without knowing what's going to happen because to me that's still a big part of enjoying uh, an experience movie is having that sense of surprise and a lack of anticipation. But yeah. uh, And as I was telling you off mic... Um, I had found months and months ago, I had found a thing that purported to be a plot synopsis. And I read a bit of that before being like, I don't want to know everything. And it turned out virtually everything that was in that was wrong. So yeah, <laughs> I did avoid spoilers, but I, I got to say like, like watching some people who I think were more into star Wars than I am get really violent about whether or not spoilers happened, I, I uh, a fellow I know had posted something on uh, I think on Facebook going like you know at the end like if you're gonna actually put friendships on the line over this please try to remember it's also just a movie and I couldn't disagree with him. I'm uh, I don't know I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a place about spoilers right now. To me, it's less about like the life or death thing of whether I'll enjoy a piece of media. It's more about being polite. But one could easily argue there's other things I could be applying that to that are more important. So. That's the thing I was thinking about for the last couple of days. It's the, uh, the nature of spoiler sensitivity and the way that a lot of folks sensitive about spoilers are fairly insensitive about a bajillion other things and how weird that is. Yeah, it was really weird when Kylo Ren revealed that he was Uncle Owen and that he'd faked his own death. Man, and they got the Uncle Owen actor back, and that's the craziest part. Yeah, when he confronted Luke and said, Luke, I am your uncle. And he was like, no, that's impossible. And he cut off his other hand. Yeah. And that's the only one of these I'm doing. That's the only time I'm doing this stupid, I'm going to make up a fake spoiler thing. Because <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. I like that one. <laughs> I was actually very angrily pounding my index finger against my desk while I was saying all that. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back uh, next time with some more Transformers talk. Next one will be a post-Christmas recording, and I I have no idea when we're going to do that recording, because like, I don't know what the other dudes are doing Christmas-wise and how important. Because yeah. the 25th is on a Friday, and I would rather record after Christmas, so we'll figure it out. But that's kind of been the story of this podcast all month. Yeah, then the next odd one's going to be around New Year's, oh, and I'm going to be trapped God. in holiday schedule still, so... yeah. Um, we'll look at how things go like that Tuesday the Tuesday that week might still work out because those days still seem kind of light for us on holiday schedules but we might have to do weekend again like like entirely because I'm going to lose track of it our podcast may well just over the course of this month last month and January one week is slowly turning into a, a one week that a podcast didn't happen but it's sliding in this really weird way uh-huh. It's not like we're just skipping a week. It's just that we have been sliding into a couple weekend recordings, and then, like, I'm going to forget which one is supposed to be on the weekday, and whatever. We'll figure it out. It's still going to alternate. We're still going <laughs> to... I don't know. I just... it's, a, it's a very busy time of year. There's yeah. a lot of holidays. There's a lot of stuff going on. It affects people's jobs, and then it will all smooth out. Yeah. 
Yeah. You just gotta gotta play it real. Yeah. So uh, until next time, uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. Put you got some badass perpetrators, they're here to stay.